It's really good to be back with you. Uh, to be fair, not all of those talks that Adam heard were in church. Some of those, he's revealed many of those to you, I know, so that's a, that's a good thing. It had been a really emotional roller coaster type of week. There were the highest of highs and there were the lowest of lows. And uh, a few days before uh, what I'm going to talk about today, Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem and the people gathered and they were shouting Hosanna. They were praising him. They were cheering as he rode into the city. But a few days later, things dramatically changed. Jesus was arrested, he was tried, and he was sentenced to be executed. Pilate gave his permission for that to happen, otherwise it couldn't have happened. But it wasn't because Jesus had done something wrong. In fact, Pilate investigated and he said, you know, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. But to please the Jewish leaders, he was a little afraid of them. He said, okay, whatever you want, go ahead and do it. And the the sentence was carried out on a really weird day. I've already said that Jesus, no fault was found in him, but he was crucified between two convicted prisoners. I think that was probably in part so that people passing by would say, well, he must have done something wrong. Look look at where he is. He's between uh, two bad guys, so he must be a bad guy too. And his his critics were there. They were laughing and they were mocking him and they were shouting up to him. His followers were there. My guess is they had tears, you know, streaming down their face. His mom was there. Can you imagine that? His mom had to watch him there on the cross. It was a weird day. Uh, the heavens got dark at noontime. And I'm not just not talking about cloud cover. I'm talking about dark. And there was a major earthquake that happened. And after spending just a few hours on the cross, really, uh, Jesus uh, was dead. His enemies knew he was dead. I mean, they were there. They were watching. Do you think they would have left if for any reason at all they thought he had not died his followers knew he was dead. I mean, they were there too. Some some of his followers took him down from the cross. They certainly knew that he was dead. The soldiers had to know that he was dead. That was their job. Their job was to be there, observe, and make sure that the sentence was carried out completely. They had seen death many times before, so they knew he was dead. You know, I can imagine uh, if you were one of those followers that took his body down from the cross, bruised and bloody and beaten, it would have been difficult to imagine anything good coming out of that. You know, if you if you wrapped his body up and put it in a tomb, you probably thought that was it. I mean, that was it. Well, eventually... Uh, his followers would believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but first, other people had to kind of confirm that he came out of that tomb. They claimed his body, and since it was Passover, and the Passover Sabbath was coming up, I mean, think like Easter or Christmas, there's a big day, and certainly if there was any day in the calendar that they were not going to do any work, it would have been on the Passover Sabbath. 
And so they quickly wrapped the body. They prepared it as best they could. They put it into this borrowed tomb, and they left, thinking that, well, you know, after the Passover has, has been come and gone, uh, some ladies can go back and really prepare the body the way it should be, and the, uh, then we can close the tomb and everything will be good. So uh, the next two days, I mean, they had to be the most excruciating time in these disciples' lives. Can you imagine? I mean, this was the guy that that you had really followed around and you hoped and you trusted. You know, you you knew he was the one, but now he was gone. I can just imagine some of the quiet conversations that took place. Maybe they said to each other, you know, I never see that, saw that coming. There's no way. Maybe another one might have said, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that he is gone. Well, confirmation of his resurrection came what we would call Sunday morning, the first day of the week, early in the morning. Some women came to the tomb so that they could take care of the body like, like the plan was. But when they got there, they found an empty tomb. Man, they, they didn't know exactly what to make of that. They went back and told the disciples, Peter and John jumped up and raced out to the tomb to see for themselves and confirm the story. Sometime during that day, two downcast followers of Jesus left Jerusalem and headed down a road seven miles to the town of Emmaus. I really don't think any story in the Bible, no other persons that are talked about in Scripture, illustrates the transformation that occurred with the resurrection of Jesus more than these two guys. They're walking this lonely road. They were, they were downcast. You know, Luke's gospel is the only one that shares this story. So here's what we're going to do. Let's walk along with them and kind of see how the reality of what they experienced really created change in them. Because you know what? It can do the same thing for us. The story begins in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, the same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. You can imagine what they were saying to each other, right? And as they talked and as they discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. You know, the story of these two fellows is the story of transformation. Their spirits later were renewed. They, they had a fresh start. But when the story begins, they had broken hearts. You know, these two guys were followers of Jesus. They had committed themselves to him. They knew, or they thought at least, that he was the guy. I mean, they believed in him. They put their faith and trust, their hopes and dreams, all rested in Jesus. But then he died. Oh my goodness, now what? To say these guys were discouraged or depressed is really an understatement because their hearts were broken. 
And as they walked along, Jesus joins them on the road. And I, you know, I don't know how this happened, but somehow God kept them from really recognizing that this was Jesus. And Jesus says, well, what are you guys talking about as you, as you walk along? And they stopped short. And Luke says sadness was written across their faces. I mean, they probably, their heads were hanging. They probably were, maybe their shoulders were kind of slumped. I mean, there was no energy in them, no life in them whatsoever. And one of them says to Jesus, where have you been that you do not know what has happened this week in Jerusalem? You know, there are some experiences that when you have them, uh, you will remember in vivid detail where you were, how you heard, etc. If you're of a certain age, you may remember December 7th, 1941, when you heard about this uh, exotic place uh, where an American naval base was attacked. Maybe you remember November 22nd, 1963, when you heard that the president first had been shot and then you heard that, that now he was dead. Perhaps on April the 4th, 1968, you remember where you were when you heard when that Martin Luther King Jr. had been killed. Others certainly would remember Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. You know, that's 20 years ago now. And whatever you think about it, I I know that there are people who are living right now who are always, for the rest of their lives, going to remember the trials and the turmoil of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 and 2021. And I hope that's all, right? I I figured I might get an amen on that one, but that's okay. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's, That's fine. That's fine. But you're going to remember where you were. So let's put one of those memorable moments into your mind. Now imagine someone approaches you and they say, you know, you look a little down. You look a little depressed. What's bothering you? Are you okay? What's wrong? What are you guys talking about? You would react and you would say, where in the world have you been? Have you been under a rock or something? You don't know what's been going on this week. Have you, are you out of touch with the world? How are you the only person living who doesn't know what's been going on? And then they began to tell the stranger they're walking along with Jesus. They're telling him about Jesus. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? To hear what they're saying about him. They're talking about the miracles that they maybe witnessed, or at least they knew about. They were talking about his his teaching and, and then the death that he suffered. And they finally conclude with these words, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Another translation says, we had hoped that he was the one. You know, anytime you start talking about hope in past tense, you're in trouble, right? I hoped it would turn out differently, but it didn't, right? You could write a thousand stories around the words, we had hoped, you know? A soul without hope is like a body without food, or maybe even without air. It can't sustain itself. 
Can you identify with those guys? I mean, can you identify what they were going through? They believed in Jesus. They thought he was the promised one, but they were hoping for something else, you know? Uh, They said, you know, we hoped he was the one who came to rescue Israel. See, in their mind, and what they'd always been taught was that when the Messiah came, he would restore Israel to its former glory. He would get rid of any oppressor, including the Romans, and he would restore the the glory of Israel like it had been back in the days of King David and, and King Solomon. Those were good days, good times. And that's what they were hoping for, a political leader or a military leader. But, that, you know, that wasn't why Jesus came, was it? And now their Messiah was dead. And so was their hope. In a matter of just a few hours, you know, their hopes were shattered. And they were totally discouraged. They were totally depressed. They were totally dejected. Have you ever been there? Do you know how they felt? Can you remember a time when your hopes were just shattered into a million pieces? Maybe it was one of your deepest dreams that became a nightmare. Maybe you stood in front of a group of friends and family and you hoped when you said, till death do his part, that that's what that meant. You hoped it would be true, but then something happened and your marriage shattered. You had hoped. Maybe you raised your kids in a church. You tried your best to instill a love for Jesus in their hearts. But at this point, so far, they have not embraced Jesus. They're not following him just yet. You had hoped. Maybe you show up for work one day and your boss calls you in. And he says, sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. Go clean out your desk. Security's going to come. They're going to escort you to the door. You've got an hour. I mean, you had hoped. You thought this was the job. Maybe this would be the launching pad for a great career, but now you're out. You had hoped. You know, when our dreams are unfulfilled... When our hopes are shattered, it is so discouraging. I mean, it it, it can be devastating to us, right? We had pinned our hopes, but our hopes are gone. Now, can I point out to you that although they didn't know it yet, Jesus was walking down that road with them. Right? I mean, they didn't understand it, but he was listening to their sorrow. He was listening to their despair. He was listening to the the anguish that they were feeling in their hearts. And you know what that makes me wonder? It makes me wonder how many times God is there working in our lives. We may not know he's there. We may not see him. We may not even think he's there, but he's there. Our eyes aren't recognizing it at the time, but he's at work. No matter how discouraging our life may be, no matter how depressing some event might be, no matter how shattered our hopes become, no matter how hurt or heartbroken we are or how lonely we feel, Jesus will not make you walk that alone. He won't. 
He'll be with you. He came alongside these guys in their worst moments. He walked with them in their sorrow, and he will do the very same thing for you and for me. And as they walked with Jesus, they talked to him and they listened to him, and their broken hearts were transformed into burning hearts. Starting in verse 25, Jesus explains to these guys what the Scripture says about the Messiah. I would have loved to be at that Bible study. How about you? I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying, guys, you just don't understand. Let me explain the Messiah to you. And the the Scripture says that he starts all the way back in the writings of Moses and all of the prophets And he explains to them, and he explains the Scripture to them about himself. Later on, after Jesus' identity had been revealed to them, they said, they were reflecting back, and they said, man, you know, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? Before they even knew who he was, before they even knew who they were talking to, the the things that he was telling them through the scriptures were setting their hearts on fire. He reignited their passion. He reignited their hopes. And I think the scripture can do the same thing to you and me. I really do. You know, no matter what we're facing... We can open up the Bible, we can, we can look at the, the messages there, and we can meet Jesus. And he will walk through that, and we will find hope. Several years ago, a, a young woman, her fiancé had left for military training, and as soon as he could, he wrote a letter back to her. She kind of became famous in the town because she carried that thing with her everywhere she went. She would pull it out at weird times and read that letter again. It got frayed, it got creased, pretty soon it was falling apart, but it didn't matter because by that time she had it memorized. She knew exactly what was said. Why in the world? No other piece of mail that this woman ever got was as important as that. What made that so special? Well, It was written by someone who loved her. And it was written to someone who was loved. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is God's message to us. We love Him and He loves us. You know, if you read the Bible like a textbook, maybe just so you can get a bunch of information, sometimes so you can argue about it, you know, that's not really going to make much difference in your life. But... If you read the Bible like what it is, a love letter from God to you because he loves you, it's going to make all the difference in your life. It's going to to get your attention. It, it, It will lead to a heart that's burning with fire. Jesus opened the Scriptures first, and then he opened their eyes. That's the way it usually happens, you know. We spend time in God's Word. We spend time reading. We spend time with other people who love the Lord. And pretty soon our eyes are opened and our hearts are transformed. That's what happened to these guys. And that's what can happen to you. Their burning hearts 
were then transformed into buoyant hearts. Now, it's confession time. I have to admit this to you. Uh, my wife uh, was going, you know, what, what are you preaching about Sunday and so on and so forth? What are you, you know, I said, well, uh, you know, uh, broken hearts, uh, burning hearts, and buoyant hearts. And she said, buoyant hearts? And I said, well, it starts with a B, you know. I had to have a B. Uh, I could have put joyful heart. I could have put hopeful heart, uh, you know, because that's that's really what it is. You know, Jesus... Uh, uh, when they arrived at Emmaus, Jesus kind of acted like he was going to go on and leave them behind. But the other two begged him to stay. You know, it was getting to be evening time. Maybe it was time for the evening meal or whatever. But I think really deep down inside, they just didn't want him to leave. They wanted to talk to him even more because they had burning hearts within them, right? They didn't even know who he was, but they wanted him to stay. Their experience with him made them want to be with him even more. Uh, they knew his heart; their hearts were burning, and they wanted this blessing to last. And so Jesus agrees. They go in. It's time for the evening meal. They they got ready to eat, and Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And the Bible says suddenly their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. <gasps> it's Jesus. But as soon as they said that, he vanished. Isn't that weird? I'm not sure how that happened or why that happened. But before they even knew who they were talking to, and then they saw, here's Jesus. It doesn't matter how quickly he vanished. What mattered was they had seen him. They knew who it was. They saw him first in the scriptures that he taught them, and then they saw him face to face. And seeing Jesus made all the difference. Seeing Jesus transformed their hearts into exuberant, joyful, hope-filled, buoyant hearts. The Bible says within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Okay, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They had just walked seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They had a meal, I take it. Why didn't they spend the night? I mean, why couldn't they go back the next day? Well, they knew, I think. They weren't going to sleep that night. They might as well go back, right? I mean, let's go back so we can be with other people who love Jesus like we do. Man, that's one of the greatest things about being a believer, being around others who believe in him as well. So they they went back to Jerusalem. And I imagine, I, the Bible doesn't say this, this is my own imagination, but I'll bet their pace was faster on the way back than it was on the way to Emmaus, don't you think? They wanted to get back to Jerusalem and tell the other believers what had happened to them. I mean, you know, when you're filled with the hope of Christ, you just can't sit there. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to fill other people in on what has happened to you. And so, you know, seeing Jesus is what made the difference to them. So they got on that same road in the other direction. It was the same road, but it was a different destination. I mean, it was the same road, but I, I got to imagine their conversation was different. It was the same road, but now they had a different realization. Jesus is alive. 
Meanwhile, the other followers of Christ back in Jerusalem had a similar experience. They were sitting at a meal and Jesus appears to them. John's gospel says they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Wow! Seeing Jesus makes all the difference. And in that moment, they went from hopelessness and depression to joy and overflowing exuberance. Seeing Jesus changed their hearts and filled them with joy. Those two disciples traveling the long road from Jerusalem to Emmaus and then back, along with Jesus' followers, they experienced a fresh start that night. Their hearts were revived. Their spirits were renewed. Let me ask you, what would getting on the road again mean in your life? I mean, maybe you've been traveling fast and furious. You're trying to do all the right things. Man, it's taking a toll on your spirit. You're feeling kind of dry right now. Maybe you're even drifting away just a little bit. But hope is not lost. Jesus wants you to be re-energized for the journey. Maybe today you're here on the road of uncertainty. You don't really know about all this Jesus stuff and all this church stuff. But, you know, uh, I, I, I need you to know that as uncertain as you are, hope is not lost for you. Jesus is alive, and you can count on him showing up in your life in sometimes unexpected ways. Maybe God's calling on you as a believer, as a follower of His, to get on that road to Jerusalem to be a witness of hope and what's happened in your life. Whatever it is, maybe it's time to just trust Jesus with the keys of your life. Whether that's for the first time or whether that's trusting Him again. Because you know what? No matter where you are in life's journey, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to transform your heart. He is probably not going to appear to you physically like He did to those guys when they broke the bread, uh, but He will show Himself to you if you seek Him. You know, God created us with a desire to know Him. The Bible says if you search for him with all of your heart and soul, you will find him. He's there, you know. He's there in the pages of Scripture. Or you can see him in the lives of those around you who love him and worship him. And when you see Jesus, it will make all the difference. I'd like to lead us in some prayer. Father God, we do thank you or the ways that you work in our lives, sometimes when we don't even know you're there. Father, we praise you for that. We praise you for your love, the love that sent Jesus to this earth, the love that sent him to the cross. I pray that that would touch us and change our very lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen.